0: It's 6 o'clock and you are listening to Community Radio, KVMR, FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd. I'm Claudio Mendoza and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. A group aligned with a local militia may gain control of Shasta County if recall vote totals hold. The California report sheds some light on that story before exploring the fallout associated with the failure of a bill that would have created single-payer health care here in the Golden State. Felton Pruitt talks with Grass Valley Vice Mayor Jan Arbuckle after regional news and weather, and Al Stoller is here with an explanation of how Earth creates wind. We close with a commentary by Shirley Frericks.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. UCLA is resuming in person instruction today after threats of violence prompted the university to move all classes online. The threats were allegedly made by a former lecturer in the philosophy department. Authorities say Matthew Harris posted an online video that referenced a mass shooting and sent an 800 page manifesto with violent and threatening language to some of his former students. Harris was taken taken. taken into custody in Boulder, Colorado yesterday. Boulder Police Chief Maris Harold says her officers immediately began an investigation after receiving an alert from UCLA police.
2: Upon reviewing parts of the manifesto, we identified thousands of references to violence, stating things such as killing, death, murder, shootings, bombs, schoolyard massacre in Boulder.
1: Harris had a troubled past. A UC Irvine professor was granted a restraining order against him after emails were discovered where he threatened to kill her. Court documents show campus police and UCLA's behavioral intervention team were aware of these threats and had reached out to the FBI. Harris was also placed on leave last year after the school found that he sent pornographic and violent content to students. In rural Shasta County, an effort to recall a county supervisor who his critics said was too deferential to Sacramento's COVID-19 restrictions is still too close to call. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer has more.
3: The recall of Republican Supervisor Leonard Modi was spearheaded by a local militia group whose hardball tactics and threatening rhetoric sharply divided the county. As of late last night, the yes vote was winning with 53% to 47% opposed. Less than 400 votes separate the two sides, with hundreds if not thousands of ballots yet to be counted. The recall was backed by Second Amendment supporters in this pro-gun region and other critics who said Modi hasn't fought hard enough against policies coming out of Sacramento. A wealthy out-of-towner who once tangled with the Board of Supervisors funneled hundreds of thousands of dollars into the recall. Modi, who served as Redding's police chief before getting elected in 2008, describes himself as a Reagan Republican, but apparently he wasn't Republican enough for some in this county that gave Donald Trump 65 percent of the vote in 2020. If the recall succeeds, Modi's seat will be filled by whichever candidate comes in first among four replacement candidates. That race is also too close to call. The county registrar will issue an update on outstanding ballots tomorrow. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
1: The state attorney general's office is reviewing several investigations conducted by the Los Angeles County
3: Sheriff's Department
1: investigations that critics say were politically motivated. County officials have accused Sheriff Alex Villanueva of abusing his power by investigating his critics. Among the inquiries was one into whether Inspector General Max Huntsman and others improperly downloaded confidential personnel records on Villanueva and others. County Council has said Huntsman went through the proper steps to access the records, but Sheriff Villanueva disagrees and even presented the case to the AG's office for possible criminal
3: charges. Support for the California your report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org.
1: California's first Surgeon General is resigning. A representative for Dr. Nadine Burke Harris says she plans to leave office on February 11th. Harris was named Surgeon General in January of 2019. Before that, she was known for working on the role childhood stress and trauma play on the wellness of underserved populations and racism's effect on health. The fallout and anger continue after universal health care legislation was pulled from the state assembly before a vote could happen. In a Zoom meeting hosted by the chair of the Progressive Caucus of the Democratic Party, activists spoke out. They included Danet Abbott Wicker. She says she's worried about what will happen to those who now have to wait another year for a chance at passing single payer health care legislation.
0: Do you have any more people who are going to die? From this pandemic, not, not, I'm so angry right now, I can't even think straight. So many more people are going to die from chronic disease that can't get in right now because of our broken healthcare system and our, and our broken hospital system.
1: And she's not alone. Other backers of the bill are also furious with the bill's author, Assemblymember Ash Kalra, for pulling the legislation. KQD's health correspondent, April Domboski, explains.
4: The Nurses Union and the Progressive Caucus of the Democratic Party wanted to force a vote, even though the bill had no chance of passing. They threatened to pull endorsements of politicians who voted against it or challenge their re-election. But Assemblymember Ash Kalra says some lawmakers who are hesitant now may support single-payer in the future.
5: And I think that alienating the incumbent members that we need next year to make it successful is shooting ourselves in the foot. I'm willing to take the shots from the nurses and, and folks who are mad at me today so that tomorrow single-payer health care can survive.
4: Kalra says he just needs more time. For The California Report, I'm April Domboski.
1: California has been a national leader in the movement to get residents' health care coverage. But a recent analysis out of UCLA finds disparities in access to care persists. As KCRW's Tara Atrian reports, women of color rank at the bottom when it comes to employer-based insurance.
4: In adults under the age of 65, only 43% of Latinx women and roughly 55% of black women have employer-based insurance, far below the rates found in other populations. Those figures came to light when the UCLA Center for Health Policy Research dug into the data from its 2020 California Health Interview survey. Shayna Charles is the study's lead author. She says the lack of coverage means people aren't getting the health care they desperately need. 90% of them
2: reported that their delays in needed care was because they couldn't afford it, that there there was no ability for them to get care that they felt was affordable, including going to the ER.
4: Multiple factors play into the disparities, including the fact that people of color are more likely to work for small employers and roughly a third of those workplaces don't offer health insurance. Charles says the state needs to do more to bridge the gap and expand health insurance eligibility, even if it's incremental changes. For The California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles.
1: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, February 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day, and we'll talk tomorrow.
0: Here in Nevada County, this afternoon, public health reported 112 new lab confirmed COVID 19 cases. 4,229 cases are active, and 33 cases remain hospitalized. One new fatality was reported, bringing the total number of COVID-19 deaths here in Nevada County to 125 since the start of the pandemic. As reported in the Union of Grass Valley, a Nevada County judge has approved a temporary restraining order on behalf of the Elections Office employees against three supporters of the recall effort against the Board of Supervisors. Assistant Clerk Recorder, Registrar of Voters, Natalie Adona, Administrative Assistant Suzanne Hardin, and County Risk Manager Nick Poole filed declarations this week in support of the restraining order against Taina Rabane Kenny, Chip Mattoon, and Jacqueline Mattoon. The petition for the restraining order states that the recall supporters have, quote, intimidated, harassed, and caused plaintiffs to fear for their safety, end of quote the employees have asked that the supporters stay at least 50 yards from them, their workplace, their homes, and their vehicles. They would be allowed to visit the Eric Rood Administrative Center, but couldn't visit the building's second floor where the elections office is located. A hearing on the request for a permanent restraining order is set for February 22nd in Nevada County Superior Court. Kenny and the Mattoons are members of a larger group of recall supporters who, on January 20th, knocked on the door of the elections office, which was closed, according to court documents. None were wearing masks. Caltrans announced today in a press release that a section of State Route 174 is scheduled to be closed in both directions this weekend for emergency tree removal operations. The State Route 174 closure is scheduled from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday and Sunday between Race Street and Empire Mine Road. Message boards will alert motorists of the closures and to seek alternative routes. The full closure is required in order to place a crane on the highway to assist with removals. Sections of State Routes 20, 49, and 193 also were included in the emergency contract. All work is scheduled to be completed by late March. Now for a look at regional weather. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 35 degrees. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 58. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight increasing clouds with a low around 10 degrees. Tomorrow mostly sunny with a high near 38. In Sacramento, Woodland, and the surrounding region, tonight mostly clear with a low around 36. Tomorrow, you guessed right, mostly sunny with a high near 60. A wind advisory remains in effect until this evening for most of our listening area. Grass Valley Vice Mayor Jan Arbuckle was recently appointed to serve on the National League of Cities Public Safety and Crime Prevention Federal Advocacy Committee. Felton Pruitt filed this interview. We're talking with
6: Jan Arbuckle. She is the vice mayor for the city of Grass Valley, and she was just appointed to the National League of Cities 2022 Public Safety and Crime Prevention Federal Advocacy Committee. It's a mouthful. Welcome, Jan.
4: <laughs> yes, it is a mouthful. They can't, I don't think they could have made it any longer. Thank you, and thank you for asking.
6: And it seems like this is a pretty cool thing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the National League of Cities, first off.
4: The National League of Cities is a organization that comprises of cities, towns, and villages all over the country, including Hawaii and Alaska. What their mission is is to represent and have cities have a a stronger voice. Whereas, as we all, most of us know, the counties seem to be the ones that get a lot of the resources and the recognition, but it's actually the cities who, who drive our nation's economy.
6: So we're talking about having a voice with the federal government.
4: Yes, it is.
6: How does the National League of Cities interact with the federal government?
4: They have lobbyists and they have just such as the Public Safety Policy Committee. There is a lobbyist that advocates on behalf of cities up on Capitol Hill. And it's not only public safety, but it's transportation, which was extremely active in um, getting our ARPA funds and our infrastructure bills passed last year. So they have a loud voice on Capitol Hill. And so they advocate for cities.
6: This isn't your first dealings with the um, National League of Cities. You're already uh, with them uh, as far as you're on the Women's Caucus Board of Directors. You're also on the Women's and Municipal Government President <laughs> and, um, let me see. and the Small Cities Council Vice Chair. So this isn't your first dealings with this organization.
4: No, but I haven't been involved that long. Let's see, it started probably about five years ago and saw a, just a great opportunity to bring our voices on a national level and a little bit more of an emphasis on the federal level, Uh, especially for small cities, especially for small rural cities. I am just amazed at how many small cities, there are actually 80% of the membership, I believe this is the correct one, 80% of the membership of the National League of Cities are small cities. They deem small cities 50,000 and below. Okay. So that's that's quite a voice when you unite all those cities together.
6: With this new appointment, what are some of your responsibilities and duties?
4: Basically, to attend the meetings. Obviously, that's a that's a a, a given. Um, also, it's just to explore what is going on in public safety, and it's not just police; it's fire as well. And what's going on? How can we make it better? How can we all work together? to be the best for our communities and the country as a whole.
6: I would think that uh, not only would you have uh, things like fire and such, but also now health with COVID still going on into year three.
4: COVID obviously has played a, I don't know of a life or area that COVID has not touched. For the most part, the emphasis is on how our public safety law and fire can work together more efficiently for the public, as well as looking to make the public safety officers safer.
6: Are you guys meeting on Zooms or do you actually fly off to another city?
4: No, we meet on Zoom. We're going to start meeting monthly on Zoom. Um, We had our first meeting a couple weeks ago and it was more of an introductory, you know, get to know the people who are on the committee and kind of what do you want to see happen And what do you think are important issues? And that's why I was really happy to see that community policing is um, right up there on top of the concerns. So that's one of the things that we're going to really look into and see how we can do something on the federal level that will trickle down uh, onto the state and local level.
6: We're talking with Jan Arbuckle. She's the vice mayor of the city of Grass Valley, but she was just appointed to the National League of Cities 2022 Public Safety and Crime Prevention Federal Advocacy (laughs) Committee. If people wanted to get a hold of you and discuss more ideas about this, Jan, how would they go about that?
4: Just contact me at my email address, and and that is J-A-N-A at cityofgrassvalley.com.
6: Very good. Well, we wish you the best on this, and we'll check back with you in a few months and see how things are going.
4: That would be great. Thank you again for having me on. I appreciate it.
6: All right. That's Jan Arbuckle from the City of Grass
0: Valley. Thanks. Thank you. For the past two days, Northern California has seen one of the ways that our planet creates wind. Here to describe the process is KVMR's own science correspondent, Al Stoller.
5: A rock does not have a brain, so it does not make much sense to say a rock wants to do something. Be that as it may, I believe you know what I mean when I say that if you pick up a rock and let it go, that rock will want to fall to the ground. Pick up a bunch of rocks, pile them up to make a hill, and those rocks will want to fall, bounce, roll down the hill to get back to the bottom. Hills themselves, brainless as they may be, hills want to flatten out. Very same thing with holes. Things fall into holes until the hole fills up. Holes like hills want to flatten out. Dig a hole next to a hill, and you can make them both happy. Whatever is on top of the hill will roll down into the hole, and both hill and hole will flatten out. This works not just for rocks. Build a hill of air, and the air will want to flow down to the bottom. Dig a hole of air, and it will want to fill up, to fill up with air. Dig a hole of air near a hill of air, and the air will want to flow from hill to hole big time. There has been For the past two days, a hill of air to our north. Build a hill of air and your barometer, with all that air sitting on it, your barometer will register high pressure. To our north has been a region of high atmospheric pressure. And to our south, there was, for the past two days, a hole, a depression in the atmosphere where air has gone missing. With all this air missing, our barometer there registered low pressure. To our south was a region of low atmospheric pressure. As a result, the National Weather Service in Sacramento issued a wind advisory for Tuesday and Wednesday, a forecast that air would be flowing from the high up north to the low down south, air flowing from north to south, a cold north wind. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: Methane release into our atmosphere is a growing concern. Tonight, commentator Shirley Freericks of Grass Valley shares her thoughts and explores some of the ways that we can all contribute to mitigating the problem.
2: Methane has popped into the headlines a lot since it was brought forward at the COP26 climate change forum last fall. And for good reason. Methane is the second most abundant greenhouse gas after carbon dioxide, accounting for about 20% of global emissions. Methane, the main component of natural gas, is more than 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide in terms of warming climate system over the first two decades after its release, thus the concern. It does not hang out in the atmosphere as long as carbon dioxide, but it's much more damaging for that approximately 80 years. And it's damaging for its whole life cycle, from the point of extraction from the ground all the way to the landfills where it does not go away for almost forever. Over the last two centuries, methane concentrations in the atmosphere have more than doubled, largely due to human-related activities. The largest sources of methane emissions from human activities in the United States are oil and gas systems, coal mining, gold mining, (laughs) livestock enteric fermentation, and landfills, primarily from organic food waste and plastics while they're breaking down. In fact, landfills are the third largest source of methane emissions in the United States, according to the Inventory of U.S. Greenhouse Gas Emissions in Sinks. We humans can change our thinking and behaving to change this degradation to our earth, which supplies absolutely everything we have and use. Composting is one great way to start use and reuse food scraps to nourish your gardens, rather than throwing them away into the landfill, where they do exactly the opposite. Save money, too. Another very important way to reduce the methane dangers is to say no to plastic. Vow to never take another plastic bag and reuse what you have. Let's think about the life cycle of plastic and the need to reduce methane before you take an item off the shelf. Can you find it in paper? Can you find a bulk source to refill existing containers? Film plastic like plastic grocery bags, shrink wrap, which is a thicker film but still a flexible one, and bubble wrap can be taken to a number of stores around town for collection to be sent to Trex Decking as the raw material for their products. Waste management cannot take these plastic items, but they can predictably recycle all one and two plastic bottles in some berry containers, so do put those in the recycle bin. Check the number in the triangle on the bottom. Of course, you can put all your plastic in the recycle bin, but there's no guarantee that waste management can sell the three through seven. We need to pressure manufacturers to offer products from materials that are recycled or renewable. Write a letter to the manufacturer of a product you use often. For me, it was a number five yogurt container. And ask them to change to a type of container that is truly recyclable or compostable. Many new design alternatives are coming out, so that's, that's great news too. Lots to think about as we start to regenerate our world and make it livable and beautiful for many generations to come.
3: The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's
0: our newscast for this evening. You can listen to it again on our website, kvmr.org or by subscribing to the kvmr news podcast kvmr gets support from listeners from all over the world and from harmony books of nevada city locally owned for over 25 years next to the chamber of commerce at 130 main street open monday through saturday 10 to 5:30, sundays 11 to 4 harmony books carries thousands of books including local authors And the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, a trade association representing the local cannabis industry. Providing year-round, get-legit permitting and compliance education, emphasizing industry responsibility and environmental stewardship. Information at nccannabisalliance.org. Hang out with us a little longer. Next in line, we bring you an encore presentation of The Sages Among Us host keith porter will speak with optometrist lisa moon after that on democracy now amy goodman will discuss the wave of book bans sweeping the united states with graphic novelist art spiegelman